Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Well, hello there. Are you looking for a massive drunken horror podcast? Well, the Drunken Zombie Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things horror. So head over to DrunkenZombie.com and have a listen. While you're there, sign up to the Drunken Zombie Forums and friend us on our Facebook group, Massive. Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. What kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. Make it whole, make it wide. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 42 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm a little recharged. Took a little vacation. Went to Chicago. Sweet. Nothing uh, Nothing says winter vacation like Chicago. <laughs> How was it? it? What'd you it do? It was nice. Weather wasn't too bad. Walked from one side of the city to the other side of the city and back like 80 times because that's what my wife likes to do on vacation is walk. Everywhere. I do know that about her. Yeah. See, if you got legs that are as long as her, her legs are like slightly longer than my entire body. And so it's, it's no big deal for her just to walk around me. I'm like taking these little tiny dachshund steps. And she's, you know, taking the big strides. And sheesh, it's good to be sitting in a chair doing a podcast, listening to a little country. That's right. Gordon Steve are doing it country style. 
What, what's what does doing that mean exactly? Yeah, I think that's what it involves a bucket of gravy and uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's ch- doing it chicken fried. I'm not sure, but we're listening to now. You guys may remember back episode 20, we featured the Super Suckers, the world's greatest rock and roll band, and I mentioned at the time. That uh, they have another side to them. They do a little country stuff. So this episode we're featuring the Super Suckers country output. So we've got a couple of uh, tunes from Eddie Spaghetti's solo work. We've got uh, the Junkyard Dogs, which was kind of their first pass at the country thing. And then some straight up Super Suckers playing country. Uh, Also, we've got an interview with Eddie Spaghetti. He spoke with me recently and uh, we had a great talk. So uh, I'm glad that we'll be able to share that with you. But in other news, uh, dude... What pisses you off this week? Dude, you know what pisses me off? What's that? I swear to God, what pisses me off? You know, remember, remember how my car died and I sold it? Yes. You you bought a delightful minivan, I believe. I am now the proud owner of a minivan, which I still cannot drive, worth a crap. (laughs) But I sold my car, sold it to my mechanic, who Mm. is a good, respectable guy. He fixed said car and sold it to somebody else. Well, the DMV asked that up they asked up the whole registration so like the car he sold to this person the dmv registered some other car to that person my car got registered to somebody in southern california somehow and that person is accumulating parking tickets oh shit oh yeah but it, it's still like in my name so it's like they own it but i it's anyway so i'm getting parking tickets and it says you know there's a little letter that comes with the parking ticket if you no longer own this car, if you sold the car before the date of this parking ticket, please include a copy of the bill of sale and send it to us. And we'll, you know, make the change for you. So you it did, seems like, you did. okay, right, we can do that. I'm out the cost of a stamp. No. You know what pisses me off? What's that? Right below that it says, please include $10 for the change fee. <laughs> so well, I got to pay them 10 bucks to quit to fix their fucking mistake well you get that shit back from your mechanic though right not his fault the dmv did it well no because he's he's got you sign over the pink slip on the back there's a spot to sign you sign the pink slip that says "Eh, blah 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 as of this day it's no longer my responsibility you give that to him it's his responsibility if he sells the car again it's his responsibility to make sure that that transaction takes place no better than that I signed, we did the pink slip thing. I walked it down to the DMV myself and oh, turned really? it in just oh, to make shit. sure it got done. Huh, okay. It's, I mean, it really is not his fault. The DMV has, like, just screwed the pooch. He's got other problems because the person that he sold my car to doesn't have it registered to them. They have some other random car registered to them. <laughs> so it's, I, I can't fault my mechanic on this at all. Right. I'd really like to blame somebody else, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I got to pay 10 bucks for these guys to fix it. I hope it's not 10 bucks per ticket. No, I, I wouldn't think so. No, but I mean, you know, get, you'll, you'll probably have to spend six hours on the phone. You probably could get out of the 10 bucks because it isn't your fault, but it, it's going to take a considerable amount of work on your part to get this to happen. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably worth the 10 bucks just to make it go away. And they probably count on that. God damn yeah. them. Damn them to hell. Damn them. What pisses you off? You know what pisses me off? What? 
I, I put on a little weight over the winter. I, I haven't been running, being kind of fat and sassy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it pisses me off is when local pizza places start following me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of pisses me off. Like, you know, I've ordered Are pizza. Are following you from satellite? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've ordered a pizza from them a couple of times, and all of a sudden they're following me on Twitter. I'm not following. They're following me. Because they're oh, like, hey, great. Steve, I got a coupon. Hey, how did this place know that you are Bonehand? I, I have no idea. They, uh, it does say Redmond on my profile, I think. So that must be it. It's like That's funny. Tweak, it's, it's Tweakies almost as is, funny as the show notes I'm looking at that say, you know you're too fat when you're too... And I thought it said when you're too fat to Twitter. No, wow. I'm, not, I'm not too fat to Twitter, but I'm definitely fat enough that pizza places are following me. But this was kind of funny. So I was, about a week and a half ago, I was out running. And, uh, you know, I told you when they had that earthquake in Haiti. Yeah, exactly. No, I've got the iPhone hooked to the shoes with the, the chip and stuff so it can monitor my run. And so yeah. I'm jogging and I get to the end of the run and I hit the button and my iPod says to me, this is Lance Armstrong and you've just run your best mile ever. <laughs> Lance Armstrong is in your iPhone congratulating your Exactly. Mile but, you know, you would think in this day and age when they have like such a level of customization to fit like each customer. That that it, you know, if you really want to motivate me, hi, this is TV. Exactly. This, this is, is T- Jenna Jameson. <laughs> this is TV's Linda Carter from Wonder Woman. Oh. That was a hell of a run, stud. <laughs> 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 that would be the way to really motivate me. There needs to be an app for that. So there is one other thing that's pissing me off. Do you have trouble getting your kids out of bed in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do. My daughter is like just a log. And you'll come in, especially on like Mondays and Wednesdays, she has to go to orchestra. And I got to take her like an extra half hour early. So I'll come in like an hour before she we're supposed to leave. Honey, time to get up. Come back 15 minutes later. She hasn't moved. Honey, come on. It's time to get up. Turn on the light. Turn on some music. Come on, honey. It's time to get up. I mean, she can sleep through anything. And it's always the same. Now, she's 10. At what age can you start giving kids coffee? 10? You can probably start giving her coffee. Because I don't think, I, I was starting to think back. I don't think I drank coffee until... I was pretty, maybe a sophomore in high school. Yeah, coffee is one of those voluntary things you just sort of fall into. See, you go through different stages in life in your taste. Like when you're a little kid, you like all these really, really super sweet, sugary things. And then things that fall into the kind of the yucky category, cooked mushrooms, oysters, coffee, scotch. You don't really acquire <laughs> a taste for those yeah. until When later. you're six, you almost never want, you know, a half dozen on the half shell and a, <laughs> a snifter of Laphroaig. <laughs> no, not at six. Yeah, you just, it's not what but you're she's about. she's ten. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be giving her coffee yet, dude. You just need to wake her up. But I think I think she's going to be one of these people that when she gets older, she's not going to get her day going until she gets some caffeine in her. Because her mom's yeah, like probably that, so. You know? Just mornings are tough for Julie. And then, you know, she gets some coffee, she gets gets straightened out. And to be a kid and not be able to have that crutch, you know, it's a little tough. But you yeah, don't even you, let You shouldn't be starting that kind of sleep, though, really, until you're a teenager. To do it at such a young age. Yeah. She may not actually wake up between the ages of 13 and 16. I don't know. Well, do you, you don't even give your kids Coke, right? No, no. Not, not, not because of any great philosophical reason i mean i drink a lot of coke myself and i drink coffee but no i gave my kid a coca-cola once and i mean he flipped he was it was like giving a cat catnip it's, it's not good for him my kids will, will lose their shit 
on just like sugar or uh, artificial flavoring type things. Like if they drink a something that's an unnatural color, they're going nuts. I mean, you got to peel them off the ceiling. See, though, but aren't you concerned that you're not preparing your kids properly for the real world? Yeah, they're going to go out there and have Coke and their fucking head's going to explode. I know. Because, like, we had some friends back when we lived in Michigan that their kids came over and they didn't, they were like, you know, very healthy eaters. And they had a Coke at a barbecue and their kids lost their shit. Exactly. And it was like half a Coke. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they're going to come across that. When they the... get out into, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> oh, so somebody else can deal with it. Yeah, when they get out in real life, you know, and they're going to drink a Coke and end up, you know, naked at a party or something. Well, maybe it'll be a learning experience for them. Got it. All right, well, why don't we play our uh, first tune? Now, I did have a, uh, a kind of an ulterior motive about the country music thing. Uh, actually, my dad's birthday is next week, and uh, he's a fan of country music, so I thought if I was going to roll it out, I'd be as a little, uh, little birthday thing to him a little bit. So, uh, happy birthday, Dad. Uh, here's a cover of Merle Haggard's Misery and Gin by Eddie Spaghetti. Memories and drinks don't mix too well. And jukebox records don't play those wedding bells Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass All I see is a man who's fading fast Just walk in Sit down beside me and say it's alright Take me home and make sweet love to me tonight But here I am again Mixing misery and gin all my friends and talking to myself I look like I'm having a good time but any fool could tell that this honky talk heaven really make you feel like Yeah. 
This is Eddie Spaghetti from the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the Super Suckers, and you are here with me on the Bone Bat Show. All right, once again, that was uh, Eddie Spaghetti with Misery and Gin. So, dude, you got a political rant this week? Dude, I do. A pr- political rant lit, I guess. A rant lit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I like better rant. than cotlets, niblets, and rantlets. Rantlets. <laughs> That sounds good. I want some. I want to get me some rantlet, maybe some rantlet dressing. <laughs> All right, so we've got this state senator out here in uh, in rural California named uh, Roy Ashburn, and he's a he's a good uh, socially conservative Republican of the variety I'm not terribly fond of, but he recently made the news because he got a DUI, and okay. after he got the DUI, the next day. He went on the radio, and while he was on the radio addressing the whole shameful DUI thing, he said, yeah, and you know what? Uh, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) What does one have to do with the other? What does one have to do with the other? I mean, unless you're getting drunk on dick. (laughs) Well, I I guess. I don't know how one goes about doing it. I don't see why you couldn't. (laughs) Why, have you tried? No, but I'm sure my dick is uh, quite intoxicating. <laughs> sure, it's intoxicating. <laughs> can you actually, can you actually blow a point eight? <laughs> <laughs> if the guy's name's point eight, I guess you can. Yes, you could. Maybe that's it. Maybe he got confused. He heard that he was on the news for blowing, you know, one point three or something. He happened to be with a jockey named one point three. Oh shit. No, actually, it did turn out later that he was le- the bar he was leaving is Faces, which is a, a famous uh, longtime gay bar in Sacramento, and he did have an unnamed male companion with him in the car. So, uh, I guess that's what's going on. But uh, okay, so uh, is this one of these fine, upstanding folks that's married with a you know wife and kids at home? Well, he, he, to get into the Republican club, you kind of have to be, yeah. Wife and kid. I think he was actually divorced by the time this was happening. But well, at least he I, was divorced. <laughs> Good yeah, lord! I guess. Nice work, Roy. You know, I don't know. It seems like the and, and he was one of these, you know, really strong, toe the line anti-gay votes. Every time there was an opportunity to vote uh, against the gays, he he would take it. I don't think he was some like really seriously crazy KKK type guy or anything, but. It, it just seems like the guys that are the most outspoken about this are the ones most likely to end up with a dick in their mouth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Uh, well, why don't we do a little uh, something we haven't done in a while? Uh, Jess asked Gord. Now, I haven't had any uh, any questions from the audience recently, but uh, I had something come up myself. Uh, a bit of a sort of, I don't know if it's an ethics question, but certainly a question. So I thought I'd run it by you. Okay. Are you so ready? You're going to ask. You are doing the just I'm, ask. Uh, yeah, button, this is me. So like before I have no idea what you're about to say. Right. So you know we have the odd teenager that screws around out in the street in front of our house, and occasionally that you'll I'll be walking out you know to work or taking the trash cans out, cleaning up the yard, whatnot, and there'll be like a a, a can left in the street or a chip, a bag of Doritos or something, the empty bag laying there in the street, and so I, I'm walking. Uh, I'm cleaning up and mowing the lawn the other day, and I see a, a uh, like a little plastic baggie laying on the ground in front of my truck. And so I, I go Aww. and I pick it up, and either they're roaming packs of teenagers that are rubbing pork with sage, 
or there was a <laughs> little, little bit of leftover weed there. And so, you know, normally what my thought is is to take and throw it in the trash. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. If the trash guy dumps this out, I mean, we live in a town that just did a big sting operation at the high school about three blocks away where they busted a bunch of kids in the middle of class for for marijuanas, buying and selling marijuana, <laughs> for methamphetamines, the like all kinds of shit. And so, you know, I'm just thinking, wow, Redmond's kind of, you know, uptight about drugs right now. And so do I want to be the one who throws this bag in my trash? Fuck no. So what do you do? Do you put it in your neighbor's trash can? <laughs> do you like the neighbor? <laughs> I like him enough, sure. I mean, what, right. what do you? What is Gord doing in that situation? You got a bag with what looks like some sort of herbal remnant. How do you dispose of said bag? Uh, me personally, I've got these great big sheets of paper that came off a printing press uh, press test, so that they're like these you know forty inch sheets of of fairly stick thick stock paper, and they're blank on one side, they're, they're white on the other side, they're just a one bright color, like a yellow or a blue. And what I would do is I would take a um, a strip of duct tape and tape it to the middle of one of those big pieces of paper. And then with a Sharpie, I would write, is this your weed on, <laughs> on it? And I would, I would like erect it in, or maybe like tape it down in the middle of the street, not on your property, but you know, somewhere nearby, make it like big and obvious, obvious, hang it from a tree or a street sign or something. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, shame these little careless bastards into uh because someone's some one, it's it's one of the local neighbor kids, and they're gonna see it and just go, "Oh Jesus God!" And they're gonna be all dope paranoid. Oh fuck, man, they know. <laughs> Better yet, the sign should say, "I know this is your." <laughs> yeah, well, that's not what we did. We uh, took it to Albertsons and threw it in a public trash can surreptitiously. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you tried really hard not to get pulled over while you're driving to Albertsons. <laughs> Julie right? was a little concerned because, of course, I made her be the bag lady. So, your daughter? I was no my <laughs> no my wife. My oh, daughter. She's a minor. She can... Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I was I was driving. I was <laughs> I was revving the engine while she took care of the deeds. But yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're uh, unharmed by the situation. But uh, yeah. oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And we were going over our, our in-laws that night. We kind of considered dumping it in their trash, but figured that'd be uncharitable <laughs> since they went to the trouble of making a nice dinner and all. Yeah. Yeah, if dinner was lousy, that's when you leave in the trash. Oh, seriously, though, is your garbage man going to be dumping out your garbage and, like, cull out a bag of weed amongst all Who the Who fucking other- knows? But if you, like, put it on top and they open it, or if it dumps out and it's sitting right there, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not a big deal, but... And probably wouldn't even have thought twice about it if it hadn't have been the big drug bust in the last couple of weeks. So. And if you hadn't have been so paranoid. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's one of the warning signs of being on drugs, isn't it? And eating a lot of munchies, fat boy. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just tired. Speaking of which, here's our second featured tune, Killer Weed. Yeah, man, there's no doubt I got some killer 
guessing about what is and what should be. I ain't worrying about nothing, and no one bothers me 'cause I got killer.
All right, we're back, and uh, I am lucky enough to be uh, speaking for a few moments with Eddie Spaghetti, lead Vox, bass wrangler, and general of the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the Super Suckers. How you doing, man? That's right, my friend. How are you, Steve? I'm doing quite well. Uh, where are you at tonight? I am in Poughkeepsie, New York. How's it going, and, uh, the tour so far? Uh, tour's been good so far. Tonight was uh, sort of the uh, low point, I think, of the entire tour so far. So uh, we're on to bigger and better things tomorrow in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Well, now, I think all of our listeners are aware. Uh, certainly we covered it pretty good in episode 20, but aware of the fact that the Super Suckers have been rocking asses for more than 20 years now. Uh, which we discussed in great length. But the one thing that we kind of saved for later was the fact that you guys play a mean country tune or two as well. Uh, where did the country influence come from with you? Well, we're not really sure. You know, we we never really thought about it. It was always kind of something that we did inadvertently. Mm-hmm. We started the band in Tucson, Arizona, so we, uh, we can only assume it had something to do with growing up in Tucson. And... Uh, you know the the whole westernness of our country vibe comes from that area, I'm sure. And uh, you know, we used to uh, get our acoustic guitars out on the weekends and go downtown. And we had this little band called the Junkyard Dogs that we would go out and busk for change. And uh, you know, and it would be it became kind of like our our country outlet. Oh, really. so that's how and, the Junkyard Dogs got started. Cool. I actually yeah, have exactly. good living platters sitting right here in front of me. Oh, right on. Yeah, the uh, Junkyard Dogs were actually kind of predates the Super Suckers by, uh, by about a year and a half or so. Wow, I had no idea. So, uh, yeah, we, we started that, doing that project, I guess, in probably 86 or 87. Mm-hmm. And we would go out to the street fair in Tucson, Arizona and, you know, get a bunch of people together and sing a bunch of goofy country songs and... It sort of led us down this whole uh, crazy dirt road that is the country. Well, and some that weren't co- country songs. Some of my favorite on here, your version of Breaking the Law is awesome. Yeah. The Judas Priest <laughs> That's classic. Pretty good. And, uh, you know, the yeah. funny thing was when I picked this CD up a few years ago, I would, had only been uh, familiar with Lightning Bar Blues because of the Hanoi Rocks version. I didn't even realize it was a Hoyt Axton song. Right, yeah. That's kind of the version that we got familiar with, with first, too. So uh, mm-hmm. sounds like we're coming from the same neck of the woods there my friend yeah well you know it's funny because you know talking about the country influence it was something i sort of rebelled against for many years i mean my dad at one point uh when i was in like junior high decided that he wanted to try his hand at farming and so we moved from like the suburban area out to this 170 acre ranch i'm out dragging hay bales around for the to feed the cows in my iron maiden t-shirt you know (laughs) <laughs> right. So, so that, sure that's so, a very common rural experience. Right. And so that, that you know, brings up the question. Now, with me, that was certainly the case that I rebelled against the country thing. What was the early response with the, like, punk and metal crowd when you started playing the country stuff for them? Oh, it was bad, man. When we, uh, we put out the record, uh, the Must Have Been High record, the response was so negative. And uh, we played a South by Southwest show. It was a big big stinking deal we played out like in the uh in the outdoor uh venue that was right on the street i forget what the name of the street is it's right there off of uh sixth avenue or whatever sixth street there uh in like red river or something like that in austin for south by southwest Mm -hmm. and uh 
you know, we, we started playing our rock set and it was going along fine. And then we switched over to the country set. And I swear the negative energy in the, on the street was palpable. It was, it was a quite the disaster, man. We, we thought, oh, what have we done? But that record has since become our, like our best seller. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's, uh, you know, interesting because I, I kind of, you know, coming from that background, when both the Must Have Been High album and then when uh, The Sauce came out, I mean, I kind of, you know, even though I rebelled against it, I grew up with Misery and Gin from Merle Haggard. And, you know, Cocaine Blues from Johnny Cash. And right. Tunes like that that I grew up with, I immediately got what you were doing and really appreciated that. So, right. That, you know, was another facet well, of the band yeah, for me to did. enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just good songs. I mean, if you spend any time listening to rock and roll music, eventually you're going to stumble upon some country that you like. Because, they, you know, they're essentially the same thing. When yeah. they're distilled down. They're really simple working man's music and you know, the sentiment is really great when they're when they're good songs. They're just good songs. Mm-hmm. And in country often has that storytelling aspect as well, which really makes right, for a I great really tune, like. which you know, sometimes you don't see that as much in rock and roll, but that's what makes a really strong country tune. Right, that's for sure. So after Must Have Been High, then uh, not long after you came out with Must Have Been Live, right? What was that, 2002? Yeah, yeah, early 2000, something like that. That was recorded when we were touring for the uh, Must Have Been High record. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a great tour, you know, it was super fun. It wound up being a really, really good time. And we got that, we got lucky and got this recording and it it surfaced like a couple years later. And we were like, man, this is super good. We should put this out. And it became our first mid-fi recording. Well, and, and it, again, with the covers, uh, Driving Nails in My Coffin, I, that's Ernest Tubbs, right? No, that's Floyd Tillman. Oh, okay. And uh, Alabama, Louisiana, or maybe Tennessee, uh, Buck Owens tune. I've never been able to find the original on CD, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a Buck Owens one. Yeah. Uh, gr- your version is fantastic. I love it. Right on. Well, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So then you, you uh, in 2003, you came out with the sauce. Now, uh, how did you decide to go to Eddie Spaghetti Solo? Well, Must Have Been High was originally going to be a solo record for mm-hmm. me because I just didn't know how we were going to do this country record as the Super Suckers. But then when I, the, you know, the guy that I recorded it with, Randall Jamail, he was like, well, who are we going to get to play on it? I'm like, well, let's get the guys in the, sup- in the Suckers <laughs> to play on it. He's like, okay, well, maybe we should call it the Super Suckers then because it's basically going to be a Super Suckers record. And I was like, yeah, I guess we should. So we totally did. And, you know, that, you know, it wasn't like I was setting out to, to make my stamp as, as a solo artiste or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I still sort of don't really consider myself, you know, separate from the band. It's just uh, something that I like to do. And I like to be able to have something to do when the band's not busy. And, you know, thus the solo career is born. Very cool. So how do you decide, like, what tunes to cover? Is it just personal favorites of yours? Yeah, it's just songs that I like, you know, songs that I've been playing backstage and, uh, you know, dorking around with, you know, learning these new songs and, you know, just songs that I, that I really love. Cool. Well, then in 2004, you had Live at the Tractor Tavern, another live kind of country effort, followed by yep. Old Number Two, your second uh, solo effort. Now, that one, um, how did that one come together? Was it kind of the same process? 
Yeah, it was exactly the same process. You know, we just really wanted to kind of duplicate what we did with the sauce because we liked that one so much. So uh, I got you know the same drummer, and I got a uh, I actually got this guy Jordan Shapiro involved in the making of Old Number Two. Mm-hmm. So I think Old Number Two sounds a little nicer. It's a it's a little bit bigger sounding, a little bit prettier. It's not as uh, basic and stripped down as the sauce, but uh, you know both records I think are really great. Yeah, I definitely enjoy them both. So what are you working on now? I mean, you guys came out with, uh, in 2008, Get It Together, and you've got uh, your Double uh, X 20-year uh, live retrospective that came out last year. So what's next for you guys? I know you tour just about constantly. Yeah, yeah, we're actually on tour right now. But uh, we're working on some new songs. We're working on a batch of new songs that will hopefully wind up in a new record. Maybe it'll be out by the end of this year. Oh, really? Very cool. Yeah. All right. I'll keep an ear out for that. So uh, no no Bone Bat Show interview would be complete without the question. What pisses you off, man? Uh, Right now, I think what pisses me off is the fact that you can't get breakfast later than 10 o'clock in the morning here anywhere in the United States. Really? Yeah, everywhere just kind of shuts it down, you know? Like the the hotel, you know, they'll they'll have breakfast, but you're lucky if it goes till 10 o'clock. Usually they'll they'll try to stop it at 9 o'clock on you. And, uh, you know, that's just fucked up, man. That's just wrong. That is. That's fucked up. You'd think there'd be a truck stop somewhere, though, that'd be slinging hash all night long. Yeah, I mean, you can get something, you know, if you... if you. I guess you got to be on the interstate, right? A special stop. Yeah. For it, <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you very right. much for your time. I, I really appreciate you visiting with us on the Bone Bat Show. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. You bet. Thanks a lot, everybody. We're the Super Suckers. I appreciate it.
season and we are going out classy and classic it is time for the rondo hatton classic horror awards talk about classy this is the eighth annual rondo hatton classic horror awards honoring the best in monster research creativity and film preservation like i said classy if you head over to rondoaward.com you can find the ballot for all the nominees in all the different categories. And we've got categories like Best Movie of 2009, Best Television Program, Best DVD TV Presentation, Best DVD Commentary, Independent Productions, Magazines, Magazine Covers, all right, all right. Magazine Articles, all right. Podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they cover everything. They do. Head over to RondoAward.com, and while you're filling out your ballot, you're going to be taking notes because there's all sorts of books and magazines and movies that you're going to want to see based on their nominees. You're going to lose hours of your life, but you're going to love it. RondoAward.com is a classic, fantastic resource. What headshot rating would Mail Order Zombie give? Mail Order Zombie would give the Rondo Hatton Awards a lot five headshots out of five. <laughs> Make sure you guys head over to Rondo Award, that's R-O-N-D-O-A-W-A-R-D.com, and vote. Voting continues through April 3rd, 2010. You don't have to vote in every category, and only one vote per monster. Winners announced April 4th. I can't wait to see who wins. <laughs> I mean, come here, look at these magazine covers. These are pretty... Oh, seriously, look... Right, and that was Alabama, Louisiana, or maybe Tennessee by the Super Suckers as an old Buck Owens tune off of Live at the Tractor Tavern, actually. Another cool release. Thank you so much, Eddie, for the interview. That was awesome. Supersuckers.com, once again, is where you can find their incredible music. Go there, folks. Do that shit. Yeah. What do you need, a written invitation? You got one. I've written you an invitation. I put it in the mail. So multimedia triage, my friend. All right. So speaking of, the, speaking of the super suckers, uh, last Friday night I went and saw them live. Julie and I got a babysitter and uh, went out to the rock and roll show. It was pretty fucking cool. 
Uh, was it a rock and roll show or a country and western show? It was a rock and roll show, actually. They did a, okay. It was a whole evening of all Seattle bands. So there was a, the first band was the Hollow Points. The second band was the mighty punk band Zeke. Are you familiar with those guys? I do not know Zeke. Zeke is kick-ass, my friend. And like every song starts with, he goes, wait, 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 what, two, three, four. <laughs> he just tears <laughs> into it. And just really great stuff. It was a, it was an awesome set from them, followed up by a great set from the Super Suckers. It was just a, a, a really fun evening. We had a great time. The Suckers tore it up. They kind of played a hometown set, so a lot of kind of older, really rocking stuff. And uh, did a great version, long version of Born with the Tail to close out the evening. It was fantastic. Cool. We had an awesome time. Very cool. What am I into? Uh, oh, you know what? I, I finally read uh, A Thousand Suns. Finally read. It finally came out. The next book in the Horace Heresy series. Yeah. A Thousand Suns. by little uh, uh, Warhammer 40K fiction. Yeah. Graham McNeil. What's cool about the Horace Heresy series is maybe, maybe it's not so cool to everyone else, but I don't know that much about the Warhammer universe still. And this is this is all just sort <laughs> so, of hold on. showing how it came to be where it's at. It's a, it's a universe of a, a basically dead undead emperor that tremendous psychic power enables the Imperium to function and ships to warp between planets and whatnot, and, and battling chaos. And you know, how did you get to this point of of endless war and? whole planets of bureaucracy and, and everything pretty much sucking. <laughs> so let me get this straight. After upwards of a dozen novels and countless hours playing Dawn of War, you still don't know very much about the Warhammer universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Dawn of War, the computer game, not playing Dawn of War with the little lead things. Because right, if I was playing that, that would be... Still, you know, either way, though, there's a lot of fluff there, a lot of fiction to uh, wrap your head around. Now, you're a little familiar with that world. Yeah, yeah, I am. But I, I don't know... I only know the the little bits of it that I've that I've played or read, and all the all the Dawn, uh, Horus Heresy stuff is happening really pre Dawn of War. Yeah, because the Emperor is still alive, and and he's telling people he shouldn't be worshipped. And you know, in, in Dawn of War, he's worshipped like a god. Right. Yeah. But in this, he's still a man. It's cool. This one focused on a thousand sons, which are the group of that's one of the uh, Chaos Legions, right? Chaos no, well, Space Marines. In, yeah, in the future, in Dawn of War. But in the Horus Heresy, in ancient history, you know, these guys were Asartes warriors. They had a legion, they had a primarch, and they had uh, a lot more um, psychic, these, these frowned upon psychic powers than, uh, than the other legions. And, and some people like uh, Lehman Russ, other primarchs, even didn't, sort of hated them, called them witches. So it's their story. And it was a, it was a cool story. It was, I liked it. So it's the Thousand Sons, but they're kids, and they're very sad. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> yeah, and there's a th- there's a lot, a whole lot. Of like oh, sure. more than a hundred. Yeah, I, I kind of find the the Horus Heresy series to vary based upon who the author is. So Dan Abnett is kick ass. He always writes a great book. McNeil's mm-hmm. pretty good, but there's a couple of the guys that are a little weak, and so you know some of them are better than others, definitely. Oh, I totally agree. But the good side about having different authors do the series is you don't end up with a George R. R. Martin situation. That's true. Yeah, you there isn't like much of a delay. Into it, then you have to wait a decade for the fourth book. Yeah, with this series, they come out about every three months, don't they? So, yeah, they took a big break. They took like a six, eight month break, and now they're starting up again. So that one just came out, and I think there's another one coming out in a couple months. 
Well, I'm still thinking at some point we're going to need to do a uh, uh, Warhammer 40K episode just on all the shit that we've been into. So. Okay. We're going to have and to keep can, that in You mind. can explain to me about all the, the Tyranids and Hemorrhoids and all the other things. Yeah, we have to do that without boring the shit out of our listeners. That'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge to do it without boring the shit out of me. <laughs> So, uh, other reading. I'm I'm into. I'm about 150 pages into Under the Dome by Stephen King now. <laughs> That's where I was about three months ago, and <laughs> I think I still am. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into this book here and uh, let's knock this out and do a little roundtable on it. All right. I can start reading it. I've been reading other things. But, well, yeah, uh, and I understand you didn't want to lug the fucking thing to Chicago. I, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, I I did a bunch of traveling, and traveling I usually do a lot of reading, but you know that that book is bigger than my briefcase <laughs> it is at that that's true it is so big it's almost as big as anyway <laughs> okay uh, also video game wise dude i have a massive affection oh you, wait you do no i've been playing mass effect a lot oh god damn it bioware's got me on two stuck on two games now i've got dragon age i'm still playing on the pc and now i'm halfway through mass effect on the xbox 360 i'm getting wow. double teamed they, they by bioware you. It's ridiculous. But they're great games. I really love them. They're so much fun. Is it the same thing? Is it just another adventure type game? Yeah, I mean, but this, this one's, one's in, this in one's in space. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a space adventure where you're, you're jumping back space and forth. Age. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's it's good. I kind of, I was reading the reviews for Mass Effect 2, and they've been just ridiculously good. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, the, the first game's cheap, so I'll pick that up, and I have. And so that's why I'm kind of playing through, because I guess you get some sort of veteran bonuses by bringing your character from the first game into the second game. So that's kind of what I'm working on. All right. I've still been playing Modern Warfare 2. I'm waiting for other games to come out that I, that I want to play, and they're just not out yet. But I am, I am still getting a lot of play value out of that, and I was excited to see that finally they got a map pack. Map, map pack. <laughs> coming out. But it's going to be like 15 bucks, and it's four maps. Really? That's horseshit. How many points is that? What, it doesn't matter how many points it is. It's $15. <laughs> so it's like, you know, pi r squared Microsoft points. But that's just too much. I mean, for a game I love and I'm playing a lot of, still, come on. Map pack should be 5 bucks, 10 at the most. Yeah. That's that's kind of horseshit. But that is you know, horse. it's it's mass, it's Modern Warfare too. They've got you over a barrel, dude. dude you, the, the, the hardcore so cool. Modern Warfare people will pay it. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably wait for it to go on sale or buy it in a moment of weakness. <laughs> there you go. And probably the later. All right. Well, my my last review for the week is I uh, picked up a CD this last week. Now I've talked about Fintroll before. The Finnish death metal band that plays. Oh no, we're we doing the death metal. Troll thing metal, yeah, fuck yeah, we are. And you know, I think you need to check this band out, dude. Basically, Fintroll, what they're about is they're a cross between like a death metal mixed with Finnish folk music, which is called like humpa, and so it's like kind of polkaish folk music that's mixed with metal, and it sounds like like a weird mix, but it works really well. It's like great drinking music. And it has, uh, they also have some kind of a yoik singing, I guess they call it, which is kind of similar to Native American chants. So Yikes. like, ay, 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 ay. and they'll have that over like a metallic, you know, a riff and stuff like that. And this this band just always brings it. I've seen them a couple of times live, and they're great. And their their new album is called Niflvind, which means wind of hell. 
Uh, and it's just another really solid outing for them. Uh, it starts out with like a very uh, fanfaric kind of orchestral intro uh, and then goes into a song called Soul Sagen, which is uh, kind of a big, brutal black metal riff. Very, very heavy. And uh, then it goes to a song that reminds me of like a heavy metal version of Grey Matter by Oingo Boingo, <laughs> which is called Et Norskendad. All their, all their lyrics are in Swedish because it sounds so damn trollish, according to the band. So, oh, you know, you, you're kind of listening to it, but the, the vocals are just part of it. And, I mean, they, they, they mix a lot into the mix. So sometimes you'll hear, like, violins or tribal drums or uh, flutes, uh, xylophones, even a mouth harp sometimes in the background. There'll be, like, ghostly keyboards for atmosphere and, like, frogs and crickets and shit. I mean, it just, the mix is always really dense. And has really cool stuff. And the, the the best song, I think, on the album is called Under Birgit's Rot. And it's this kind of very brisk, playful, circus-like song, but heavy at the same time. It's just fucking cool. And, I mean, for a guy like me who grew up, you know, listening to both Metallica and Oingo Boingo, this band fits my brain like a missing puzzle piece. It's just great stuff. I, I, again, Fin Troll, Niffelvind, check it out. It's really great. All right, then. Death Boingo. Yeah, it's it's just really cool. So, filthy jokes, dude. Filthy, filthy jokes. Filthy, disgusting jokes. All right. So, this guy is planning to get married. This 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 Irish guy is planning to get married, and uh, he asks his family doctor. He says, uh, "Doc, how, how can I tell if uh, if my bride is uh, is a virgin? Because this is important to him, I guess." His doctor says, ah, Patty. Like his doctor called him Patty. All the Irish use three things for what we call the do-it-yourself virginity test kit. You need a small can of red paint, a small can of blue paint, and a shovel. <laughs> so, yes, uh, what do I do with these things, uh, doctor? The doctor replies, well, before you climb into bed on your wedding night, you paint one of your balls red, and you paint your other ball blue. And if your bride says, that's the strangest pair of balls I ever did see, well, then you hit her with a shovel. Because <laughs> she's been looking at other guys' balls. It's not a virgin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, Braveheart! <laughs> oh, that's Braveheart Scottish. That's, I, I got my uh, my cultures mixed up. I believe that's Scottish. Actually. I believe you're right. I fucked that up. All right, so this guy goes to the doctor. He says, doctor, I've got this problem. My secretary, she loves to give blowjobs. I get to work, blowjob. Before I go to lunch, blowjob. Before I leave for the evening, blowjob. So what seems to be the problem, the doctor said? Well, you see, on top of that, my wife's a nymphomaniac. It's ridiculous. I service her every morning when we get up. I go home for a quick half hour during lunch. And then we have a marathon session every night before we go to sleep. I still don't see what your problem is, says the doctor. Well, you see, Doc, every time I masturbate, I get these dizzy spells. <laughs> I can't believe my doctor is telling stories. <laughs> Isn't there supposed to be some sort of doctor confidentiality? That's an ethics you, violation You can't right fucking there. trust anybody these days, can you? Yeah. All right, I'd like to say Go thank ahead. you this week to Eddie Spaghetti and the Super Suckers. As always, it's really an honor. Uh, that you guys would let us use your music and uh, feature you guys like this. So thank you once again. Thank you. Our well, usual. 
our usual bullshit. The show number is 206-203-3115. Give us a call with your feedback. If you have questions for Just Ask Gord or if you want to share what pisses you off, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can email us here at steve at bonehand.com. I have new content on bonehand.com every Sunday. And I am on mightywombat.com. New cartoon every week. I've been pretty good about that lately. And monthly column. Humorous column over at davislifemagazine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm mighty underscore wombat. Or you can come over to my house and drink a beer. <laughs> and I'm Bonehand on Twitter. Also, go to Bonehand.com to join the forums. Uh, if you like what we do, uh, as always, we appreciate reviews on iTunes, votes on Podcast Alley, or even better, tell a friend. And thank you so much for listening. One last thing. What? Tickets are now on sale mm-hmm. for the Bone Bat Film Festival. Sweet. Fuck yes. So we still have tickets available? We they have a lot of tickets available, but they're going to go. Trust me, we're going to sell this bitch out. So That's right. come to Bonehand.com and get your tickets now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, our closing tune tonight. I'm sure you know this old Judas Priest classic from the Junkyard Dogs incarnation of the Super Suckers. This is Breaking the Law. Have a great evening. This is Steve. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Ow, ow. This is Gordon. Have a good one. I do have a good one. How did you know that?
I mean, unless you're getting drunk on dick. 